right. Well, now that we are done with our predictions, let's move on to some off-season analysis, Mac, because the off-season is still in its infancy. We do have the draft lottery on Wednesday, which I will be keeping an eye on as a Senators fan, of course. But let's talk about some teams that missed the playoffs that may have some interesting decisions to make this off-season. Let's start off with the New York Rangers, a team you and I both thought in our season preview show was going to be much better than they were. They finished with a record of 27, 23, and 5, good for 60 points. So if they were in the North, they would have beat out Montreal. They finished fifth in the East, 11 points out of the playoffs. And for me, it was inconsistencies that killed the playoff hopes for the Rangers this year, Matt. Yeah, um, they had a really bad start to the season. You mentioned the inconsistencies. And I think the biggest concern, I guess, with the Rangers and the way they played this year is that really a lot of their great games came against a team that had a terrible season in the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, Mika Zibanejad did not look good this year, for example. But when he played the Flyers, he was the best player in the league, apparently. Yeah, he was (laughs) God. So, (laughs) yeah, so... I agree. The slow start really did kill them. But look, this is still a very young team. And I think maybe playoffs was a bit of a reach considering, you know, Boston and the Islanders and all these teams that are much better defensively in front of them. And a lot of those teams are veteran teams. So you kind of know what you're going to get. Now, there are a lot of positives for the Rangers. Adam Fox should win the Norris Trophy, in my opinion, in several other people's opinion. We'll see what happens. But I mean, that is a huge positive for the Rangers. How about Keandre Miller? Pretty good season for him as well. Alexi Lafreniere, excuse me. He didn't quite have the season people were hoping he would, but I think you and I will both agree that, look, it was his rookie season and I'm expecting big things from him. Not every not every top pick is going to hit the league with the ground running. So I'm just 21 points, but he got better as the season went along. That was absolutely noticeable. Yeah, for sure. And the biggest challenge they face is can they play enough good defense to remain competitive in their division and maybe go on a run in the playoffs? And the answer to that has been no so far. So I do think they they need to change their system. Maybe they need a little bit of personnel there to make that change happen because I don't think they have it right now. But if you look at their division, Matt, Boston, Washington, the Islanders, and Penguins, all good defensive teams. The Rangers are not a good defensive team. And obviously, they're they're very young. They're, they're not loaded with veterans like those other teams are. So they didn't make the playoffs this year. And the other challenge they face, and, and this is a huge one in my opinion, by the way, they need to hire a coach, a president of hockey operations, and a GM because they fired all of those guys, David Quinn, John Davison, and Jeff Gordon were shown the door after a disappointing season in New York. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be top priority for the Rangers. And new GM, first thing they got to do is they got to start improving that defensive depth. Because you mentioned Adam Fox. He had a really, really good season. No one's going to deny that. But after the top pairing, it really starts to wither down for the Rangers. And they've got some assets and they don't have a whole lot of cap space, but they can make a new GM could make some smart moves here, Mac, and improve the defensive depth without really tampering with the court. Because my final note for the Rangers on my notes here, Mac, was that this Rangers team has been good. Their their drafting has been excellent. They're building a future core. It just needs to be, Rangers fans need to be a little more patient. They need to get that defensive depth in place. And they could compete for a playoff spot next year. It will be tough if they're back in the Metro division, which they should be. 
with the right moves, they absolutely could squeeze into the playoffs next year. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, a lot of reason to be optimistic. You still have a really good young core. You have Shosturkin. So many good things with the Rangers right now, but a lot of challenges like we outlined for them. So let's move on to what did we want to touch on next? The Flyers or the Flames or the Senators? Ooh, uh, well, the Sens, we can end on a high note with the Sens because the Sens had a good end of the year. Uh, I feel like you have some interesting stuff to say with the Flyers, Mac. I feel like we both do. Yeah, they, I think probably the toughest offseason for any team is is for the Flyers. I mean, you invested all this money into a core group of players, and the results were there last year. But after the pause, they lost all their momentum. And Matt, they never truly got it back. So nope. the Flyers, first of all, defensively, they're not a good defensive team. They were not impressive this season at all. It's fine to have Sean Couturier, who is a top-tier defensive forward, but they don't have a whole lot of other good defensive players in their group. And yes, Carter Hart struggled at times, but the defense also wasn't very good. Brian Elliott also wasn't very good. Really, it just I, I don't think it was a good year for anyone on the Flyers. So I think you need to get a backup that can be a little more consistent and maybe somebody who's been around, obviously not somebody that's super old to kind of mentor Carter Hart. But you look at their contract situation, Matt, it is bad. Okay. Jacob Voracek, over $8 million until 2023, 2024. Off the top of my head, I couldn't even tell you how many points he had this season because he was not very good at all. He was invisible is what he was. You are not moving that contract. So... (laughs) I mean, it's going to be really tough for them because they just don't have a whole lot of money available. And the moves that are being talked about are moving somebody like Nolan Patrick, who is a high draft choice, and he's had his issues with migraines and concussions, and you don't wish that on anybody. And maybe another team is looking to acquire him because the Flyers are looking to make a change. I don't know if they'll end up moving him. I, I kind of doubt it because that, to me, that would not be a smart thing to do. I agree. I think that there are better approaches the Flyers can take here. They do have some contracts that are pretty bad, as you mentioned, but they've also got some pieces that teams may be interested in. I've heard Claude Giroux's name get floated around. I don't know how much he would get back, but if you're the Flyers, get some assets back. Get some If you can get these contracts off, these bad contracts off your books and get some assets back, I would take it because otherwise you're going to be stuck with these guys that can barely play at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be really tough for the Flyers to get better. And I personally, Matt, I don't see it. I think their division is too good right now. And we mentioned the Rangers continue to get better. And I think the Flyers are just getting worse. I agree. And I I do think on the Carter Hart front, I do think he will be better next year. He uh, had a pretty bad down year. I'm not too concerned about him yet. He does need to have a better year next year to alleviate my concerns with that. I think the Flyers could benefit from a retool. Take a year or two, get some piece, good pieces back in place, and then compete again. Because you aren't competing with what this core is offering right now. But you don't need to blow it up, everything up. You've got some good pieces there. You just need to move on from the dead weight is what they really need to do. Yeah, very well said. All right, let's talk about the Calgary Flames. And you want to hear the first thing I wrote with the Flames on my Mac? I think you'll like this. (laughs) Sure. Another year, another disappointing season for Calgary. Yep. Uh, Yep. I think that sums it up. 
Yeah, we could wrap it there, but no, we're going to give a little more analysis than that. I think that I think it really sums up what's going on with Calgary. And Calgary really struggled in the month of March, Matt. They were not they were not good at all. And Calgary, what I also wrote, they really need to do some soul searching this offseason. One of the questions I ask on here, Mac, and I'll ask it to you, is Goudreau really the guy the Flames want to build around? Because they need to make that decision this offseason. And I would argue, no, I don't think he is, especially for the money he's going to be offering. I, I like Johnny Goudreau, Mac. You, you know that. Is he the type of guy you bring into your team that everything else revolves around? No, he's not. He's a top six forward who's quite good. He's never really been the guy that when I watch a Calgary Flames game, he drives the play. You know, he's not the guy that everything revolves around. He's, he's a fabulous complimentary piece is how I see Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know. I don't know how you view him, but that's at least how I've viewed him over the years watching Calgary Flames games. Yeah, that's a good point. And a lot of the time when Gaudreau is not going, Monaghan is also not going. Those two players rely on each other. And when they're at their best, they can be very good. But the last few years, they have not been that. And, and I think it's just been too long of trying to build around those guys. It just has not worked. And I think the most concerning thing from afar that I'm seeing is Calgary is not well managed but they're, they also really don't understand how the current NHL game works, okay? They want to play this throwback defensive style game where you're throwing players like Sam Bennett, who is a talented player and a high draft choice, into a grinder power forward role. Well, guess what? Florida says, get this guy out of there. We'll bring him in. We'll play him in a skilled role. And guess what? He's a very good top six forward again, magically. So... The Flames really need to figure a lot of things out. It is not just players. It is coaching. It is management. There's a lot of things that aren't going well for this organization. And I just think, I don't think anyone's job is safe right now. I'm surprised Brad Tree Living still has his job. I'm surprised Daryl Sutter still has his job. When I'm surprised they even brought back Daryl Sutter. But I guess I'm not because it's the Flames after all. <laughs> well, remember, Mac, uh, they've been stuck in the Jerome McGinley era, even though the Jerome McGinley era ended 10 years ago, is how I see the Calgary Flames. I think it, they're almost at the point where you need to say they need to blow it up, don't you? I know oh. there's a lot of retooling today, but this is this is a case where yep, yep. rebuild. You got to rebuild, and I don't think it would take all that long if they did it right. Someone will overpay for Goodrow. Someone will overpay for Monahan. I guarantee it, Mac. Yeah, you never know. I mean, there are a lot of GMs out there that are looking to make some changes, and some of them aren't the brightest. But I think you do have some good pieces here, like Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Matt Kachuk, you know, Jacob Markstrom, if he can get good defense in front of him, he's obviously a very good goalie. Would I have paid him six mil until he was 36 years old? Probably not. But there are some pieces here. And I think if you can bring in a coach that knows what he's doing... And I think they need new management, honestly. I think if you can bring in a GM that understands the current demands of the NHL game, every team should be modeling themselves after a team like the Colorado Avalanche, where they have a ton of skill up and down the lineup, but also they rely on defense and goaltending, and they play a complete two-way game every single night. That should be the blueprint for any new GM, any current GM trying to get better. Don't overlook the skill, but remember that you need that defensive play to win it all. 
I absolutely agree. Now let's end off this uh, discussion of teams in the offseason. I know we talk about the Sens a lot, but we really haven't gotten into a good conversation about the Sens. I know we talked, we touched on them briefly in the last episode when I said they could squeeze in the playoffs. They ultimately didn't. They uh, finished with 51 points, eight points out of the playoffs, but play, the uh, final playoff spot. But really for the Senators, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, especially the first month, they were just awful. There's no way around it, Mac. They played brutal. And then you notice how shortly after I did my Sens rant back in February, saying they should play all their young kids, just let them go and let them have fun, get rid of all the dead weight. They uh, suddenly started playing them, and they suddenly started playing well. The uh, Sens, even though the season did not start out well, I'd say uh, two-thirds to potentially even three-quarters of the season was quite good for the Sens. It was really the bad start, the bad starts undercutting it, Mac. The dreadful start to the season for the Senators is what kept them out of the playoffs at the end of the day, because otherwise this team would have been in the playoffs. And a lot of Senators fans here in Ottawa think if we were playing a 66-game season, Ottawa would have made the playoffs. And I don't have much doubt about that. They finished the season with a 7-2-1 and in their last 10 games, one of the best in the league over the second half of the season. Ottawa, the future is bright here, Mac, but it doesn't mean that there still aren't some unanswered questions, of course. First off, Brady Kachuk. That is, in my opinion, more than the draft, Mac. You need to decide what contract you're going to give him. You need to sort that out sooner rather than later because he cannot... You do not want him to get to the free agent market in a couple years. You want Brady Kachuk to be a senator for a long time, especially after he finally started getting some goodwill with the fans again. If you're Eugene Melnick, if you let a guy like Brady Kachuk go, that uh, that will hurt a lot. When you talk about a Brady Kachuk contract, Mac, what I see, I don't think he'll get as much as his brother in Calgary. I could see him anywhere between six to seven. I, uh, I could see I could easily see a six by six. I think that would be a good deal for Ottawa and a good deal for Kachuk. I think he'll want more, but if you could get him on a six by six, I would be happy. Very happy. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a top priority. But like you said, a very positive season for the Senators overall. Obviously, playoffs was the goal and they didn't quite reach that. But there's so many positive signs here. First of all, the prospects are really starting to come to the NHL level. Like Josh Norris, even though you won't hear a lot about him, had an excellent rookie season. He was very, very, very good defensively, close to elite defensively. And obviously he's got the tools to be a good offensive player as well. Tim Stutzla was impressive in glimpses, I guess. But remember, he is a rookie and he's still very raw. But obviously, there's something there. You've got Jacob Bernard Docker, who finally started to make an impact towards the end of the season. And also Shane Pinto. Those guys are both in the NHL now. Jake Sanderson could be on his way maybe next year, maybe the year after. No need to rush the guy. And I think There were some surprising things with the Sens this year. Like, how about 21 goals for Connor Brown? That is as many as Nick Ehlers, Mark Stone, and Mark Shifley. That's 26th in the league. Drake Batherson, I mean, he may not be a surefire top six forward, but he's at the very least a top nine and maybe potential for a top six. And I think the most encouraging sign for the Senators, despite the really bad season for Matt Murray, is Philip Gustafson only played seven starts, but he finished with a 9.33 save percentage. And I thought he looked really good in net. 
Oh, he looks fabulous, Mac. And I think that he and Joey Decord are probably the future for the Sens. I know uh, that's the one area in terms of the expansion draft that will get a little interesting for the Sens. You got to protect Philip Gustafson. No question about that. Matt Murray better be exposed. I think a lot of Sens fans will be shocked if uh, it's anything other than protecting Philip Gustafson. Because I remember when the Sens acquired him for Derek Broussard from the Penguins a few seasons ago. And I, I like the potential. I watched some of his European footage. He looked like he could be a really good goaltending prospect. He struggled a bit when he moved to the AHL. That's what people forget is that he really struggled for a little while in the AHL, but the Sens kept with him. They knew the potential he had. And the one thing that the Sens always get overlooked on is prospect development because the Sens have a really good development system. And they were, our development system was able to turn Gustafson into a goaltender that came over from Europe and was struggling into what he is now. And he is the goalie for the Sens. I do think Matt Murray could turn things around. He did look better in the last few starts he had for Ottawa. But uh, certainly Ottawa will be looking to have Gustafson as their starter as the years go along. I really like what Ottawa has. It's the first time going into an offseason, Mac, that I think a lot of Sens fans in quite a while actually have some hope for next season. Playoffs, it might be a bit of a push, especially in the Atlantic with all the good teams they'd have to leapfrog. But it's certainly not out of the picture. In Ottawa, I, th- I can comfortably say, is better than Montreal. Ottawa could beat out a team like Florida, for example. It, it won't be easy. But as long as they get off to a good start next year and they stay consistent and their prospects continue to improve, this is a team that I think a lot of people may sleep on next season, Mac, but they shouldn't. Yeah, I, I think, though, if you want to make that next step and improvement, you do need a like maybe two or three more quality veteran players. And I'm not talking about, you know, old guys that are in their late thirties. Like Ottawa did last season. I'm talking about players on defense that can help with your young core. I'm talking about players on forward, like a David Perron or a Blake Coleman, you know, guys that can make an impact and help you score goals and also prevent goals. So I think if, the Sens can get creative this offseason and really address those areas. You don't need those players in particular, but if you can address those areas, and I would say look into maybe getting a different goaltender to play with Gustafson, although I think he'll probably give Murray another year. I don't know if that's wise. It's hard to say. I don't like the way his career is trending. But if you do those things, I think you could see a big improvement from the Sens next year. I agree. Uh, I think a prime example of a good veteran depth signing that is really paying dividends is Jason Svets is the Leafs. I think that's one of the best depth signings in the league. He was a veteran. Yeah. He brought him in for nothing. Yeah. And, he, and he really without him, the Leafs would have, <laughs> would have lost in regulation. In game. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. if you're Pierre Dorian, there's lots of options like a Jason Svets that you can find this off season, ask around, see what you can find. I'm sure that uh, Dorian has learned his lesson. Of course, the draft lottery is on Wednesday, Mac. The Sens have a 2% chance of uh, winning the lottery, but as they say in uh, Dumb and Dumber, Mac, so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing, uh, one final note here, Mac, before we uh, wrap up is for those of you that will be following the draft lottery on Wednesday, it is is good to note 
that the Arizona Coyotes have forfeited their first round pick due to the uh, scouting and dra- illegal draft combine. So if Arizona lands in the top two map, which is possible considering how bad they were this year, they will redraw. So that that's an important note to remember for Wednesday with the draft lottery. I'm almost hoping that for that to happen, just just for it to be a little chaotic and fun. <laughs> Oh, I feel like Gary Bettman doesn't want the chaos to return, especially after last year when a placeholder team won the uh, draft lottery. But we, yeah, will see. yeah that was that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, there, I think the whole NHL world, was, especially teams that missed the playoffs. I know uh, Sen's Twitter was on meltdown for hours after that happened. I was just contempt. I was thinking, all right, third overall, Tim Stutzler or uh, Byfield. I'm very happy with either or. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, seeing uh, the NHL go into meltdown again over uh, a redraw would be hilarious. <laughs> all right, uh, anything else you want to add today, Mac? Yeah, I think we're actually going to split this into two episodes. The first episode is going to be our round one recap and preview. And the second episode is going to be our commentary on those four teams we mentioned. We hope you enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun making it. We hope the audio quality sounds a whole lot better because I do have a new audio setup and Matt is working on his as well. So thanks again for listening. You know where to find us. We're on every podcast platform. Look for the white red and blue logo. Take care. Enjoy the games. Stay safe, guys.